Hey folks, welcome back to the next episode of the Jedi Council Podcast. This is Brandon Saxton. And Katie Gordon. Katie, how are you doing on this wonderful Friday afternoon? I'm doing well. This week was very busy, so I'm excited to be doing something really fun like recording a podcast. How about you? How are you? Doing good. It was also a busy week, but uh, just like you, uh, every time I'm working, I'm just thinking about I gotta just keep on pushing to get to that next good, good podcast episode. And then I know once I finish up that podcast episode, I'm only like 24 hours roughly away from our next game of Dungeons and Dragons. So <laughs> I'm li- quite literally working for the weekend. <laughs> That's right. You know, we haven't given any updates on our Dungeons and Dragons. I think we talked about the first couple yeah, times. Yeah, I think that we did we too, played, right when we, we started it. Yeah. yeah. So a quick update, maybe. Mm-hmm. Our campaign, uh, which to give people a little bit of a reminder, I'm uh, the dungeon master for this campaign that we've started. And we are playing through the Curse of Strahd module. Um, uh, spoilers if you're going to ever play Curse of Strahd, uh, tone out for the next 30 seconds or so. Uh, the players have successfully navigated through Barovia, uh, accomplishing all of the prophecies that they were meant to do, and are now in Castle Ravenloft um, looking for Strahd, and actually just fought Strahd as a random encounter in the castle. So, And uh, was... I mean, kind of getting your butts kicked, I yes. hate to say, from the yeah, DM perspective. It's, it's certainly not meant to be uh, an easy conclusion, and it's it's definitely testing the party. So I'll be curious to see what this week brings for you, and uh, and hopefully get to start my new character soon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. My my character is Chrisella, who is a model after Buffy the Vampire mm-hmm. Slayer, and she's a monk. And so she's kind of been working and living for defeating Strahd. And uh, unfortunately, though... She has had a difficult time doing that, but she has picked up some cool magical weapons along the yeah. way. One is kind of like a lightsaber, and the other is like a really fancy stake. So mm-hmm. that's been fun. Ultimately, we'll see if they're effective, and that's mm-hmm. the exciting part of the game. It's a fun game, and it's certainly... I think what's cool about Castle Ravenloft, and the whole campaign is sort of meant to be like this, but I kind of lightened it up a little bit to mm-hmm. kind of ease everyone into it, and now I've kind of taken off the training wheels completely. It's... It, it gives you a sense of urgency in that it's like the longer you're in that castle, the sooner you're going to, to not make it mm-hmm. just because it's that extremely challenging all the time that it's kind of like you need to find Strahd right away and defeat him. So um, this might be our last session. It could be, yeah, depending <laughs> on what Brandon's happens. Which Brandon's fine so. with because then I'm he can go back with. and he can have someone else be the dungeon master and you can just be a player. I'm looking forward <laughs> to, to that life of luxury once again of just enjoying uh, enjoying D&D. Uh, no, I enjoy it very much to DM. Um, other really great current events. Uh, today was the last day for our 1500 followers slash joining the Geek Therapy, uh, Geek Therapy Podcast Network uh, giveaway extravaganza 2017 <laughs> Uh, having fun in the sun uh, giveaway. Yeah, that was the official name. We <laughs> couldn't, so. we it's couldn't hard to fit, fit it in 140 yeah. characters. Good thing you made that extra graphic. Absolutely. So uh, giving away uh, a copy of one of our favorite graphic novels, Legend of Wonder Woman, and uh, at Vader the Traitor on Twitter was the lucky winner. Uh, they actually had their name entered uh, multiple times through the 
uh, little clause that we added that you could get an extra entry in the raffle if you left a review on iTunes. So they were kind enough to do that and leave a nice review for the podcast. So they are the lucky winner. So thank you, Vader the Trader. Yes, congratulations. uh, Appreciate the support, and we'll get that sent out to you. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's exciting. Um, And the last bit of really exciting news that I saw was the official trailer for the My Brother, My Brother and Me TV show. Which, even just the trailer had me cracking up. It looks Mm -hmm. like they've got a lot of stars on there. It looks like a lot of the the good, good uh, brother goofs that we've Mm -hmm. known to come in and known to come in love uh, from the podcast. Mm -hmm. So I'm really looking forward to that. I think that comes out this month, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Uh, I could be wrong on that. So I'm really looking forward to watching that. But that's all I have for current events. Did you have anything at all, Katie? No, I think you got it all. Kind of a light week for current mm-hmm. events, and that's okay. So uh, to, we'll jump right in on our second episode on our Disassociative Identity Disorder uh, mini-series. And I think to sort of just continue our discussion on last week, we were going to jump in and talk about maybe a couple of real-life examples or a real li- some non-fiction information related to Dissociative Identity Disorder. So did you want to start us? off there Katie? Sure so last time I had kind of talked about a little bit um, Kenneth Bianchi who was known as the hillside strangler he's actually still living because I looked to see if there was an update and is currently incarcerated but the hillside strangler is someone who was a serial killer in the 70s in Los Angeles and as his defense he was trying to get out of incarceration out of punishment by pleading insanity and Specifically, he was saying that he had multiple personalities and that the other evil personality is the one that committed the murders and the other crimes that he committed. And so he had a psychologist who was evaluating him and he was really going back and forth between these personalities and trying to be convincing. However, there were people that were skeptical of his diagnosis and when they looked at it a little bit further, they found a psychology book that was and part of it was describing this disorder at his house and they thought well maybe he just read up on it here and they also found i think if wikipedia is to be trusted mm-hmm. that's where i'm getting some of this information um that he had the name that he said was his other personality he had used before as a fake identity so it seems as though he was caught and then basically he admitted after all that that his defense was faked and so that's been some of the concern and controversy mm-hmm. over this too is that because this is known in popular culture as a disorder, are there certain people trying to take advantage of that? In this case, they were able to figure out that he was faking it. Uh, They're very interesting documentary on this, if you look on YouTube, and they actually show the scenes of the psychologist evaluating him and him going in between his real self and his faked alternate personality. But one of the interesting things that came from that is there were some psychologists, I believe social psychologists, who were interested in looking at kind of the effects of knowing about the disorder and the likelihood of choosing it as a defense in a legal case. So they had college students come in and ask them to role play as though they were accused of a crime. And they were assigned to different types of conditions. And some of them were read a statement where they were told personality is complex and involves many different ways of thinking and feeling. Sometimes part of us thinks about and feels things that other parts of us don't even know about. Sometimes we have strong feelings and frightening thoughts that we block off from our conscious mind. These thoughts and feelings exist, but they're walled off in a different part of our mind. Sometimes they're quite complex and it's almost like there are different people inside of us. 
with different feelings and ideas. Whereas other people in this were given a more straightforward script where it was basically like, um, you know, you've been accused of this crime. Why do you think that you did it? And what they found is that the college students in their role play were much more likely to claim that they had multiple personality disorder or dissociative identity disorder after given some cues in the script. And so the lesson and takeaway here, which is consistent with other research, is that it's extremely important how you ask questions when you're doing assessments because the way that you frame things can sometimes lead people to answers that they otherwise wouldn't have gotten to. And we see this a lot. For example, um, you have to be have specialized tra- training when you're asking a child and assessing if they were a victim of abuse and finding out what happens because it seems as though between this type of work and some of uh, Loftus is her name, her work, she's shown that some of our memories and the way that we respond to things, even in people who aren't intentionally faking it, like Bianchi, can really be affected by the way the interviewer asks the questions. And so that might be interesting for another podcast episode. Yeah. But I thought I would mention the part that was relevant to dissociative identity disorder. So kind of interesting. In some, basically, um, it was faked by a criminal trying to do that, and they found that uh, people were susceptible to taking on that defense when they were cued for it. So that, that kind of ties back into what we talked about last week, that uh, vulnerability to suggestion and how that might lead to maybe a higher likelihood of someone believing that they have the disorder or um, being led to believe they have the disorder. Is that, would you say that yeah, kind I, of ties in? Yeah, I think that's right. And I don't, and part of it is I wonder if it's susceptibility to believing you have the disorder, but I also wonder if there's something about being high on hypnotizability that also, for the people that believe this disorder exists, which mm-hmm. a lot of people do, that there's something about being high on that characteristic that also would make someone vulnerable to reacting to stress by separating from their consciousness because if you're susceptible to being hypnotized then it seems like you're more readily kind of switch between different levels of consciousness and so I wonder if that's part of it too. I'm wondering and I know this is way outside of the wheelhouse of either of our sort of research background or Mm -hmm. knowledge do you think is there a link between that susceptibility to hypnotization to being hypnotized jeez louise that's a hard word (laughs) it's that friday vocabulary coming back uh to being hypnotized and uh the development of false memories uh a la elizabeth loftus's sort of research i don't know Mm -hmm. of any link between those things are you aware of anything uh there i don't i haven't seen her look at that most of the stuff i've seen kind of shows these standard effects across people Mm -hmm. and how easy it is for people with no mental health problems or anything like that um to create these false memories not intentionally Mm -hmm. you know this isn't like a bianchi to be clear bianchi obviously was intentionally faking something but people who aren't doing that um that happens but you know there may be individual difference literature but i haven't seen any of that so that's a good question part of I think the reason that hypnotizability is specifically relevant for dissociative identity disorder is because sometimes the assessments done by the therapist involve doing some kind of hypnotic component of it so that people can access parts of themselves that they otherwise wouldn't be able to access. Mm-hmm. And so 
it'd be interesting to know if any of that was also applied to some of Loftus's stuff. Interesting. But yeah. all I know of it is is pretty general effects. Same with people. me as well. Yeah. Uh, do you have know anything about anything related to hypnotherapy or anything like that? I have almost no uh, working knowledge of that sort of stuff, and and is and how that maybe relates to dissociative identity disorder. I don't know a ton about that. I think um, I mentioned last time that the theory is that when people are experiencing extreme trauma, that they might help um, self hypnotize to deal with those issues, okay. and that that's how that's the theory that mm-hmm. that's how dissociative identity disorder develops. And I'm not very up to date on this, so I want to make sure that I'm giving accurate information. Mm-hmm. But I believe there used to be a body of research showing hypnosis was an evidence-based treatment for pain management. Oh, I'm, I actually think you're right on that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know that one of the uh, therapists who works at the practicum site where I uh, work right now um, had someone asking about hypnotherapy for pain management. So I, I know there's some link there. I don't know very much about how empirically validated or supported it is, but I know there's a link there. Yeah, I, so I think... Um, you know, it's been used for other things, such as, like, quitting smoking and things mm-hmm. like that. Sometimes you'll see, like, a celebrity has tried oh, to sure. quit smoking with that. I don't, I don't know as much about that, but it does seem like there was a fairly solid research base with regard to chronic pain. Interesting. Well, that's a, maybe, a, you know, a nice jumping-off point. We've kind of covered a nice sort of uh, overview of the disorder now across both episodes there, and given that real-life example, uh, maybe jump in a little bit on some of the... Um, fictional examples, as, as per our tagline of our whole podcast and operation, mental health and your favorite fictional characters. We uh, want to deliver on that. We so. do want to to give, you know, we're writing a check. We, people are going to cash <laughs> it, so we got to follow through here. Uh, so your favorite fictional characters, Katie, is Harvey Dent, Two-Face, one of your favorite fictional characters. Is he? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, is he? I'm not sure. Uh, I think I, he's very interesting. I don't think there's any precedent for that. You've never <laughs> stated that, so I'm just I'm just kind of shooting off the hip here. But. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know very little about him, so this is going to have to be mostly on you. Oh, well, let me t- let me tell you a little about Harvey Dent. Uh, so Harvey Dent, uh, very brief, just sort of off the memory, cr- tweet at us if I'm wrong. Uh, you if know, we're wrong about anything at all, tweet at us. Don't tweet at us. <laughs> I don't want to know. No, please tell I, us. We, I am. I want to make sure we're Katie giving out accurate information. Yes. Brandon doesn't. About real me, life please. things. Yeah. If I'm wrong about Batman things, just let me live in my echo chamber where I know I'm right about everything. <laughs> That's what I want. But if it's the mental health stuff, then let us know. That I that <laughs> I care about. Okay. Um, Harvey Dent is, and of course, there's lots of different versions that's where i'm gonna hinge my argument on okay. all the time there's a lot of different versions we it were talking about different ones. harvey dent was a district attorney in gotham city uh very sort of upstanding moral citizen but very rigid and uh he's a friend of bruce wayne's uh in some of these stories they were actually childhood friends and particularly i would like to maybe focus today on the portrayal of harvey dent in the current all-star batman run by scott snyder uh, one cool little thing about the All-Star Batman run with Scott Snyder, uh, followers on Twitter and Facebook saw that I shared the other day. I actually received an autographed copy of the number one uh, issue uh, for my birthday. That was awesome uh, from my friend Patrick. One thing that's also cool about Patrick and related to video games is he's currently working on the Netflix's Punisher series. Oh, which cool. Is kind of, that yeah, is really cool. Uh, doing camera work. So very, very cool stuff. Thank you, Patrick, for that. Um, so... 
Katie, you read number one of All Star Batman. Have I got that right? Yep, I did. Okay, so the kind of overall arc of the the overall plot of this arc, which is done now, is that Batman is trying to get Harvey Dent to this, or he's trying to get Two Face uh, to this home where Bruce and Harvey met when they were younger, where there should be some cure that will prevent Two Face, uh, will kind of inhibit Two Face's personality, and Harvey will be able to have full control of their body at all times. Uh, and it's sort of cool because it's kind of Mad Max in nature. Uh, each issue kind of showed how many miles they had gone and how many miles were left. And there was sort of a price uh, that Two-Face put out for someone to stop Batman from getting them there. And uh, there's some really cool stuff that happens. You see a lot of neat villains sort of coming for them. And at one point, the the townspeople of this small town kind of turn on Batman and want to get the money, and he tells him, you're better than this, please. And so it was very cool. But what I liked was sort of the back-and-forth betrayal of Harvey Dent and Two-Face as they're kind of uh, coming in and out of consciousness. Each of them is taking control for uh, periods of time. And I like how it was shown. Uh, graphically, of course, Two-Face is uh, has severe burns on one side of his body to sort of visually... Um, portray the two separate personalities and also there was pretty cool because in the font it was also portrayed that way Two-Face sort of has a scratchy uh, harsh hard to read sort of font and Harvey has this more clear cut clean sort of font so it was kind of fun to sort of see the disorder represented in a comic format Mm -hmm. like that because uh, Two-Face is represented in a lot of different ways like maybe you think of uh, Tommy Lee Jones Two-Face that wasn't so much two specific disorders or two specific personalities I mean not disorders that was just sort of one person flipping a coin a fixation on the coin which a Two-Face universally has um, it's a two-headed coin which is it's kind of cool but yeah. one side is uh, tarnished in some way um, but it was cool to see the disorder represented in comics that way. And it's hard to say, you know, whether or not it was accurate or inaccurate. Um, I certainly don't think it was in a way that was malicious or anything like that, mm-hmm. the way that the character was portrayed. Um, and in a lot of ways, you know, Bruce was trying to help Harvey and the plot. I won't spoil how it ends, but Harvey was also trying to help himself with this cure at the end. So I, I overall, I thought, I mean... You'll never hear me on this podcast saying I didn't like something Batman. So, but no, I thought it was really good. Did you have any thoughts just based on the first issue or that you can remember? It was it was started a while ago now, so I'm sure it's testing your memory. Yeah, and and frankly, I think you covered everything, so I don't have sure. much to add. You did a nice job describing it. So, all in all, a cool way you don't get to see disassociative identities or portrayed in comics all that often. And from my understanding, I'd be interested to hear if folks are aware of any other examples. So. I thought it was cool and interesting and uh, and definitely... I mean, overall, I think the, the uh, comic series All-Star Batman with Scott Snyder is worth reading. So, um, Another one that came to mind was a show that I watched a few years ago and I'm really going to be testing my memory now. The show is called The United States of Terror, and I think it was kind of popular. Mm-hmm. Um, not super popular, but like everyone watched it, but there was certainly sort of a, a group of people that were really kind of into it, and I remember hearing about it, and I watched it uh, on Netflix well after the show ended. And what it's about is a woman named Tara, and she has um, I don't a, a certain amount of, of personalities uh, or alters, and um, it kind of depicts her everyday life and kind of how these alters influence her, and she has at least one child and a significant other, and so just kind of how this impacts her family and uh, herself and just how she kind of navigates everyday life. And it's sort of like, if I'm remembering right, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, any listeners tweet at me, 
Uh, it's sort of some of the alters are sort of designed to elicit some comedy or humor, but the show also I it, I think I would it was a comedy, but it also had a lot of dramatic elements if I remember right. And for a while, uh, are you familiar with Eddie Izzard at all? Mm-hmm. He he's in it. Oh, and, I didn't yeah, know. he plays a therapist actually, oh. who was my favorite character. Oh. Um, of course, naturally drawn to both therapist <laughs> characters and Eddie Izzard mm-hmm. is so good. Uh, and he is so he's sort of trying to treat her and during that sort of story arc it actually takes on almost like a pseudo horror element for a while where there, there's one alder of Tara who is um, you're suspecting maybe a, uh, a risk to the sort of people in her life and I don't remember exactly how that resolves but overall and the and my sense is, and this is remembering the show from a long time ago, is that it was sort of designed in a way that was meant to elicit some sort of um, empathy and compassion for people who might have the disorder and for the challenges that not only do they go through, uh, but that also might be involved in the family members of those people too, um, because it's a challenging disorder for anyone to go through and for the people in their lives too. So it takes a lot of people, you know, to uh, or it impacts a lot of people is what I'm trying to say. Well, now so. I want to watch it. It sounds uh, like a great show. From what I remember, it's mm-hmm. a Steven Spielberg show idea, uh, it, and anything with Eddie Izzard, you know, I, I just mm-hmm. can't get enough. If I remember right, it was pretty good, so I would recommend it. I don't think it's on Netflix anymore, but if you can find it somewhere, it's definitely worth watching. It's not terribly long, too. I think I went through it pretty quickly. So I would also recommend that. And now that I've talked about it, I might go back and revisit it because I am interested in sort of... Now that I've kind of gotten more interested in mental health and how it's portrayed in media and the impact of those portrayals, I would be interested to revisit something like that. Because to my knowledge, it's one of the only shows that very... The whole point of it was to depict disassociative identity disorder. I mean, it's the main premise of the show. I think it's the only show like that... I, that I can think of. It's hard for me head. to think of others, and I just saw that this was created by Diablo Cody, which is from an idea from Steven Spielberg, who who wrote Juno, which I thought was really hmm. great. So that's I love Juno. That's cool. Yeah. So yeah, so those are kind of the two main sort of media portrayals of disassociative identity disorder that I had on the top of my head. Of course, there are several others, um, older films like uh, Sybil. That's one. Um, I can't think of any other ones, but I know there are other ones. There's um, Three Faces of Eve, which is oh, also yeah. an older film. And then Identity, which I've seen, but it's been a while. Okay, so I haven't seen John Identity. Cusack. And then Me, Myself, and Irene. I think I skipped that one because the trailer was like obvious that it was not going to I be... I think I saw Me, Myself, it. and Irene. That's what it's called? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was like too young. And if I remember right, it's like... It has fairly crass humor, so I think uh, I I was sort of sneaking it to watch okay. it for the inappropriate jokes, but uh, yeah, but was not watching it at a period of my life when I could give it some critical thought uh, that I would be interested in sharing right now. I think I was watching it for the inappropriate jokes. So. <laughs> that is yep. a good reason. That's a little insight into own. like uh, adolescent Brandon for you sneaking the jokes rebelling. with the crass humor or the movies with the crass humor. So, so Three Faces of Eve came out in 1957. I'd be interested to compare that to more modern depictions because it seems like a pretty interesting idea. So this is my sense, Katie, and correct me if you think I'm wrong, because I don't think disassociative identity disorder is portrayed in the media that frequently. But my sense is, and I don't know what these older movies are sort of like, but we have the Me, Myself, and Irene. That was a comedy. Well, yeah, it was. It was a crass comedy, I think. 
Um, <laughs> that part really stood That part too. I remember, uh, that I shouldn't have been watching it. Uh, <laughs> is, gosh, I'm going to be really embarrassed if I look and it came out in, like, 2008 or something. Let me see. I'm going to be really, like, and I was certainly old enough to watch it. It came out oh, 2000. in 2000. Uh, I was only nine. Okay. That's fine. Okay, uh, so I get the sense, though, and maybe this is a sort of a confirmation bias because of Split, the trailer that's out now, is that Disassociated by Daniel Disorder is portrayed now in sort of a horror element, uh, really trying to capture, because I think it's a disorder that really captivates and interests people, and, and uh, film writers and screenwriters are trying to capture that and use it, use the uncertainty and maybe mystery that surrounds it in a ho- sort of horror sort of way that I, I wonder if that's consistent in the betrayal across time. You know, I, that is interesting if it ta- it's taken a different turn. And I also, while you were talking about that, it reminded me of a very famous portrayal mm-hmm. that we haven't talked about, which is Fight Club. We would have been remiss to have left that yes, out. Yes, I mean, that is that was very popular. That came out in 1999. So the year before me, the, the oh, classic, yeah. me, myself, and Irene. <laughs> Jim Carrey's uh, <laughs> height of his career. <laughs> that must have been it. So Fight Club, even though, like, for example, when I teach about this topic in abnormal psychology, I still have students who have seen this, even though it's pretty close to the year they were born, um, because it's just so popular. Yeah. And so I think you're right. Part of it is changing the idea of, one thing that seems to change over time maybe is directing it more towards terror. Identity, actually, if I remember it correctly, was kind of like that. Okay. Um, but there's also this other interesting theme that we see in other places, but that maybe is used in dissociative identity disorder, which is the idea of the person who's kind of following the rules, but they ha- they're, they have this other personality that's letting them be their real selves. Oh, and so that um, seemed like that was part of what was going on with Fight Club. But also, I mean, that's an old theme, like we were talking about before, even going back to Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which was in 1886. And I missed that one. I wasn't going <laughs> I was 25 oh my goodness. when that came out. <laughs> um, yes, I missed that one as well. But, I, but the idea, I think, the same idea is that there are, you have different, you can have a very moral kind of person and then you can have these other personalities in there. For some reason, that appeals to people. I mean, even our superheroes, right, have secret identities. Yeah. You know, there's Bruce Wayne, Batman. I don't know if you've heard of that. Duo. I'm not familiar. That sounds interesting. <laughs> I hope you knew that Bruce Wayne was Batman. Spoiler alert for anyone who didn't catch that. <laughs> so so those two themes are interesting. And, and the terror part we had kind of talked about. So it sounds like the United States of Terra, from mm-hmm. what you were talking about, was a compassionate depiction of people's That's how I'm remembering it, okay. and I want to qualify that so strongly because I might be wrong. I recall, since I never watched it, other people saying that. Okay. So, so you're only getting it straight from the source here on right. our podcast. Number one. Well, let's pretend it did, just yeah. as a... Good work. To illustrate. Good work, United <laughs> States argument. Whereas Split certainly... See, I don't know, because we haven't seen it yet, so I don't want to jump ahead, but it is portrayed as like... Not particularly compassionate mm-hmm. from the no, trailer. I, so I think I talked about this last week that I had an internet conversation with someone who disagreed with me because I suggested that maybe films like that had some capacity to influence the stigmatization of mental health 
and this person sort of just told me I was an idiot, which they're entitled to. Very effective too. argument. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, and then started taking their friends in it, and that's great. Oh my god! They were calling for backup digitally. Wow. <laughs> so whatever, but apparently someone else who was more constructive in the argument said, uh, "That's a good point, but do yourself a favor and just go see it." And it's all, it seems like maybe it involves more of a supernatural element okay. than a mental health element. Oh, that's interesting. That's, that's what okay. this person suggested to me without spoiling it. Okay. Which I thought was a very insightful, and I appreciated mm-hmm. that comment, because that's not uh, what I saw in the trailer. No, the trailer and, yeah. doesn't. It just looks no. like mental illness yes. equals terrifying, and yes. that obviously is concerning to Yeah, us. absolutely. So... So that's uh, leading to our next point, Split. I think for next week, to kind of close off our uh, mini-series on Disassociative Identity Disorder, we're, we're messing around with some ideas, but the final episode is going to be our review of Split. That's right. Uh, so we are you'll be able to... Because Split has received, I did see, and I, I've tried to avoid it because I don't want to spoil it, because mm-hmm. even for a movie I'm, I'm, not, I'm not actually terribly excited about, mm-hmm. because... Uh, We're going to see it for you, the listeners, yes. because we want to give an informed evaluation Absolutely. of its accuracy. Um, M. Night Shyamalan has goofed me before with movies <laughs> with his twists, so I'm not... I mean, the Rotten Tomatoes score is okay, 74%. I know you've no I longer listened to Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes They're the real Rotten the Batman tomatoes. versus Superman thing. Um, <laughs> but the rating's okay, so I am interested, and we are going to see it for you, the listeners, yes. so you can get our opinion, the one you want most, Mm -hmm. uh, the final say, because it has received some backlash from the mental health community Mm -hmm. for portraying mental illness in such a way. I haven't looked into it yet. Uh, I'll talk more about it next week, and we can really dive into Split. But you'll get the final say from the Jedi Council, Mm -hmm. and that's really what you're looking for. It's true. So so maybe that's a good spot to uh, wrap it up for today's Mm -hmm. episode. Uh, Next week, uh, tune in to our epic conclusion of our Disassociative Identity Disorder miniseries, where we'll talk to you about Split. We're going to go see that next week. Um, as always, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate all the absolutely wonderful followers, supporters, listeners, and fans we have. That's weird to say a little bit, but uh, <laughs> it feels kind of cool. Uh, I'll have a pearl of wisdom for you next week. Um, you can check out our website at www.jedi-council.com. We've got blog posts there and links to our podcast and other cool stuff. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. You can listen to the podcast on Stitcher and iTunes. Um, do me a favor. If you have a free minute, leave us a review if you like what you hear. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, Vader the Trader was kind enough to leave us a review on there. We read all of those. We appreciate them very much. Uh, thanks to everyone who shared uh, for the giveaway. We really do appreciate that. Uh, Including go- Ray Dillon, who yep. was one of the creators of the Legend of Wonder Woman Pretty amazing. epic novel. That. He, and he put it on like his Instagram yes. and Tumblr and Facebook. Very and kind. That yeah. meant a lot. Oh, it was some, really touching yeah. Yeah, to have him reach out to us like that. So mm-hmm. that was really great. And uh, and if you have time and you like what we're talking about, I can't encourage enough. Check out some of the other great shows on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. Uh, we've got the Geek Therapy Podcast. That's really good stuff. It's uh, some similar topics as to what we're talking about, but you're going to get to hear some different perspectives and get some additional information and probably hear some cool stuff that uh, Katie and I completely forget to mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got the Rolling for Change podcast on there. That's about uh, gaming and trying to make a difference, a positive impact through gaming. Uh, there's Psych Tech podcast. That's all about uh, the inner 
intersection between psychology and technology. That's really great. And then Headshots, that's a gaming and psychology sort of podcast. Uh, you're going to get to hear all of our really cool games, and uh, they're all absolutely wonderful. We're so lucky to be a part of such an awesome group, so we can't, like I said, I can't encourage you enough. Go check that stuff out. So, yeah. Do you have anything else for us, Katie, before we sign off for this week? I think you've got it all covered. I know I talk unbelievably fast, but I think I've got it all covered, too. Uh, so, as always, folks, uh, this week I'm going to sign off with uh, another one of my favorite fictional characters, uh, Garfield. Uh, so, uh, come on in. It's time to party with Garfield and friends. Dun, dun, dun. Garfield and friends. <laughs>